0: Open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to jump into it. It's part of a series that we've been doing for about 10 weeks. It's a 13-week series of these words. And today we're at Pure, which is Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, This is an incredible part of the book. And you have to kind of know a little bit about the city that we're in. So I want to transport you through time. And imagine that you are in a city called Ephesus, In this city, all around you are pagan gods that everybody's worshiping. All right, it's a city full of religion. They were very religious people. The problem was they worshiped a lot of different gods, and one of these gods that you will see is this god named Diana. She's an ancient fertility goddess. And when you worship this God, the Gnostics during the time would teach that this God would be the one that allows you to do whatever you want with your body, including prostitution. She was the God of every sexual act. There's this unrestrained sexual activity that became the norm to the Ephesus people. And so the Gnostics will begin to teach through this God that your mind, your soul, is different from your body. Those are two separate things. And if you can keep your, your purity with your soul, meaning you know who God is within you, then you can do whatever you want with your body. Sounds kind of nice when you're tempted every day. And so you're dealing with these temptations and you're realizing, oh, my body and soul, those are two separate things. And so this family life of the, of the people who are beginning to try and follow this man named Christ, this Christianity that you're being taught, all of a sudden it's dealing with this struggle of my soul and my body were two different things. And Paul, the apostle, he comes, and he begins to teach us, and he simply teaches us this. Christians are to keep themselves sexually and morally pure. We are to be pure people. And he teaches us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, when he says, But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Last week, Pastor Larry was talking about self-control. Part of the self-control is through our purity. How are we staying pure? How are we having self-control with the subject of purity? Part of this this self-control comes through how we treat our marriages. The sex outside of marriage, pornography, immoral acts, books, pictures, suggestive material. It's all having a self-control against that greed. That insatiable greed that wants to do things beyond the bounds of marriage. That pulls you away from what purity is. It should not be made light of. It should not be discussed in a laughing way. It is a serious and real problem, a real issue that we're dealing with. We are called to be separate. The people of the kingdom are called to be pure. Proper sexual expression is within the boundaries of marriage between one man and one woman for a lifetime. It was created as a special gift from God to you. It's a good gift. It's one of the best gifts that you get. It is a good and pure gift that we are supposed to enjoy within God's limits. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, it tells us that no temptation has overcome or overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. This means that yes, you can overcome. No matter what the situation is, God has provided you an escape. He knows how much that you can bear. And it is up to us to decide. We have to decide that we are going to become and remain pure. Let me say that again. It is up to us to decide that we are going to remain pure. Think of it like this. God gives you this beautiful gift in your mate. And we'll use this this water as an example. You've got this pure water. I drink smart water. makes me smarter. And water, I mean, water's a great thing. Water tastes good. I mean, it's great for your body. Everything about it is just pure. But for some reason... Water is just not good enough, right? We know that water is good for us. We know we're supposed to have like 15,000 gallons a day or something like that. I don't know what the latest trend is. We know that we're supposed to have this water and keep it pure, but we want to add something to that water. We want to add a little sugar. So we go out and we get a Sprite. Hey, it's still clear, right? So we have the gateway drug, which is Sprite. You know, later on, you'll be addicted to Mountain Dew, and that's probably as bad as pornography, I'm a recovering Mountain Dew addict myself. But see, the water is still pure. I mean, it looks pure anyway because of the Sprite's the same color, but we know that doesn't taste the same as the pure water that we started with. But we don't stop there. We add a little Orange Crush or Fanta, and all of a sudden the water is going to change colors. It will never look the same as it once did, but man, it tastes good. And we keep adding to this. We add a little Coke or Pepsi, depending on the war you're in right now. Some of you take that very seriously. And now the water has completely changed colors on us. And we have a name for this drink, right? What's the name of this? Suicide. As children, we called this suicide, which is a great name when you think about what we're talking about here. If we take the good gift of purity from God and we continue to add all these little things to it, we add flirting outside of marriage, we add pornography, we add immoral acts, all of a sudden we have something that looks a lot more like suicide, right? Something that's gone far away from that good gift that God gave us. And God takes it a step further in verse four when he says, and there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks for this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. You see, people of the kingdom are people who build each other up. Our words matter to each other. We speak in a way that is kind and holy to each other. People of the kingdom let words of thanksgiving come from their mouth. Their mouths speak of God in beautiful and pure ways. This verse really leaves no doubt of what our God thinks when we take purity out of its context. He says, there is no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Men call immorality a sickness. God calls it sin. Men condone it when God condemns it. Man's answer is psychoanalysis. God's answer is regeneration. The human heart is incurable. It must be replaced. We're always talking about fixing something when God says, no, it's, it's broken. You have to replace it with me. You have to absolutely replace that heart. We need a heart transplant. Where are you today? Men and women have this nasty habit of, of worshiping the creation rather than the creator. Where are you today? Do you need a heart transplant? Because Paul is making it clear people who deliberately and persistently live in sin will not share in God's kingdom. And he calls us to remember in verse 6, let no one deceive you, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Having goodness, this word goodness, it's an inclusive term for all moral excellence. Do you live a life of goodness? Righteousness is integrity in the dealings with God and men. You have integrity when you're talking about God or you're dealing with man. You have integrity and truth. Truth is honesty, equity, and reality. This is when your words and your deeds match. We come to church a lot. We're overwhelmed by church. We believe in the things that are said here, and we're like, yes, I believe and I love it. And we walk from this place, and our deeds don't match. Truth is when you believe it and you love it and you want to change and you walk from this place and your actions and your deeds are the same. When they match the truth, they match what you're saying. Put every thought and every action to the test in your life. What does the Lord think about this? Ask that question in every situation. What does the Lord think about my conversation? What does the Lord think about my standard of living? What does the Lord think about my clothes, my books, my business, my pleasures, my furniture, my friendships? What does the Lord think about my vacations and my automobiles and my sports? Put it all to the test and run it through the filter and say, God, what do you think about this? And see if you can come to this conclusion in verse 11. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, awake sleeper. As we sang earlier, awake sleeper. That wasn't literally to awaken the church. It was this verse here, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Are you careful in your walk? He uses this word walk seven times. It comes up often. It comes from two Latin words that means looking around. The Greek word carries the idea of precision and accuracy. The meaning is see that you walk carefully and with exactness. The opposite would be walking carelessly with no forethought to anything that you're doing, which a lot of people do. I think of it sometimes as walking on a rocky beach, and when you have no shoes on, you're kind of carefully walking along so you don't hurt yourself. It would be so foolish to be like a rocky beach, no shoes on, all right, and just start walking on it. That's going to be a painful walk. And what God is calling us to do is have forethought and guidance. Think about what you're doing We should not leave our Christian walk to chance. We have to make clear and wise decisions and put everything to the test. And if we do this, God will bring incredible opportunities. This word opportunity, again, we look at this word from a Latin word. It means toward the port, which I found so interesting. Toward the port is where it comes from. It suggests a ship taking advantage of the wind and tide to arrive safely in the harbor. There's this famous Mariner's proverb that says, to him who has no course plotted, no wind is favorable. If you don't know where you're going and you catch a good wind, fantastic. It doesn't really matter because you don't know where you're actually going. You have no forethought. You haven't thought it through of what God's doing in your life. Peter Drucker is like this guru on everything leadership, and he says, planning involves the futurity of today's decisions. So when we say, I want to be pure, and we put no forethought to it, we don't walk in a way that says, that is what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be following God every day. We need to begin to plan and test your life in a way that brings glory to God. You wake up and you seize the day. You say, today, I'm going to live a life that follows my God and his plan for me. And part of that plan is going to be pure, My walk is going to be pure. When you start to plan in a way that says this, this habit will form in you and this person of the kingdom will take over. How are you taking complete control over your mind, body, and soul every day to be the best that God has made you to be? Are you continuing to drink whatever's put in front of you, continuing to walk that has no forethought instead of grabbing a hold of that pure gift that God has given you. We are called to be pure people. We have to take steps forward to be pure people. Step one is walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma, we live in a very fallen world. We need to walk in love. Every day you have a choice. You have a choice to walk in love. It's very natural to walk in the flesh. Most people do. Most people have just a sort of a me thought process, and that's how they walk. You have to choose to walk in love. And God wants you to, but he won't force you to walk this way. He says, I want you to walk in love and choose love in every situation. And as you do that, it will become a habit in your life. And then he sends an example. He says, here is my example. It is me in man form. He sends Christ and says, here is my son. And he is God. He can choose the me way. He can do whatever he want. But what does he choose instead? He chooses the love option. And he walks to the cross and says, I choose love. And he dies on the cross for us. That is choosing the love option over the me option. Do we really need another example? He gave us the ultimate example and says, walk in love. I need to love my marriage the way God would love my marriage. I need to love my kids the way God loves my kids. I need to love those around me as if God created those people that are around me because he did. How would God love his creation of the world? Would he worship his creation or worship the creator? How would God love those that are hurting? How would God love those in need? We have a choice and we have to choose to walk in love. Step two, immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you. We have to battle the selfishness of a me thought process. Me before you. Me wants, so me gets. I think of the, the Nemo ride with those seagulls that say mine, 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 mine. That is a great example of what most of the world is like, right? That's that's what we do. It's mine, mine, mine. We have to fight that. There was this church in Washington that really crystallized this thought process. Check out this video that they made.
1: Well, welcome to Live Church. I just want to say a special hello to those uh, around the world on the internet, those in our television family, and those at our video teaching experiences. We love you guys very, very much. And today, in week number four of Growing to the Chapel, you get to be a part of something very, very special. In fact, Chad and Jamie have come before you today to celebrate their covenant vows, and you get to participate by joining your faith with theirs as they are united to become one flesh. Chad, I'm going to ask you first, your covenant vows before God, if you would respond to me. Chad, do you take Jamie to be your wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, do you promise to be faithful to this woman as long as you both shall live? I don't know, maybe... (laughs) <laughs> Let's, uh, let, let me just review Chad this is a yes or no question and I'm asking you before your loved ones do you commit to marry this woman we just wanted to live together Oh, I'm sorry. I, I knew that. I, you, you guys told me that a while back. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I thought that you were going with the God version of relationships, and, and I forgot that you guys weren't ready for that big of a commitment. You just wanted to live together. We do have a ceremony for you, and it goes just like this. Well, Chad and Jamie, you've chosen the vows of cohabitation. So, Chad, if you would do the honor of looking into your partner's eyes and with every bit of truth that you can muster up, Would you repeat after me? I, Chad. I, Chad. Take you, Jamie. Take you, Jamie. To be my cohabitant. To be my cohabitant. To have sex with you. To have sex with you. And to hold you responsible for half the bills. And to hold you responsible for half the bills. To love. To love. And to take advantage of and you. And take advantage of you. From this day forward. From this day forward. Or for as long as our arrangement works out. Or as long as our arrangement works. Out, I will be. I will be, be. More or less faithful to you. More or less faithful to you. As long as my needs are met. As long as my needs are met. And if nothing better comes along. And if nothing better comes along. If we should break up. If we should break, if should break up. up it does not mean this wasn't special. It to doesn't me. mean, it doesn't this, mean, wasn't mean that this wasn't, to me. wasn't special. To me. Because I love you. Because I love you. Almost as much as I love myself. Almost as, as much, much as I love myself. I commit to live with you. I commit to, to live, live with you. For as long as it works out. As, as long, long as, as it works, works out. out. So, so help, help me. 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 In the name of sex. In the name of sex. Options. Options. And selfishness. And selfishness. selfishness. Amen. 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 Well, Chad and Jamie, I want to be the first to congratulate you both. You are now officially living together. I sincerely wish you the very best, and I hope that this does work out. And now, Chad, you may do the honor. You may, well, you guys know what to do.
0: Yes. You see, the word of God, it declares that Christians, the church, that you're supposed to be the bride of Christ. The bride. When Christ returns, he will be as a groom who is coming to get his bride and take you with him to heaven for eternity. A place that he has been creating special for you. He comes for his bride, his pure, spotless bride. That's pure as white bride. Are you that bride? He wants you to be morally clean. The people of his kingdom are pure people. Are you a person of his kingdom? Step three, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes. Warren Worsby says there's two signs of character in a person's life, what makes a person laugh and what makes a person cry. And honestly, this is a really good judge of of my own character, I mean, I don't cry often. It takes something pretty serious to make me cry, guys. I mean, a puppy or something like that. But what people do around you matters, and how you respond to those people also matters. That's sort of the catch to this whole thing. Just because people are doing whatever they want to be doing, and those are those people, how we respond actually matters. Don't let people steal from you. Steal your time. Steal your integrity. And worse, bring God's wrath on your life? Why would we let someone with their actions bring God's wrath? Empty words are like empty calories. You eat all this stuff and you think you're growing, but really you're just expanding. Amen? Empty words are like that. They make you feel like, you know, you're getting smarter. They make you feel like you're expanding, but are you really growing closer to Christ? Or is it just your pride that's expanding? What was happening in Ephesus, these people, uh, they called the Gnostics, they were telling them that it's very important what you know. What you do doesn't matter, but what you know matters. And they keep adding religions. You need more and more knowledge. And the more knowledge you get, the smarter you'll be. But they were expanding. They weren't growing closer to God. And as they were dealing with these temptations that were in front of them, it made so much sense because it worked with what they were tempted and what they wanted to be. Empty words can deceive you. Some of you have people feeding you empty words, empty calories that's just expanding you. And you have to make a choice not to hear these words anymore, hear these people, these shows, these speakers, things that are empty calories in your life. When you know something is wrong, the first thing you do is you take it and you put it through the filter of the word. You take it and you run it through God, through the Bible, and you say, I'm testing this. Is this what you have for me or is this more empty words in my life? What does God have to say about this? Paul takes it a step further when he says, therefore, do not be partners. Literally, the word is partakers with them. In Ephesus, what they were doing is they were getting together and they were having these big feasts. And basically, at these big feasts, which are just these huge parties, they're worshiping all the idols. And these associations and these friends that they were coming and being a part of, Paul writes and says, what are you doing? Don't be partakers with them. And God draws us into some interesting parallels here. He says, I want you to be in an unholy world. I'm not saying that you separate away into a convict somewhere. I, I'm saying uh, you have to be around unholy people. How else are they going to see the light? You are my light. How are they going to know me? You have to show them me. I'm using you to show them who I am. But don't be partakers with them. Be amongst them. But don't participate. There is a, a clear Example of what he wants from us all over the place, but he he takes it a step further though. He says this in First Corinthians five eleven. I'm writing here to tell you that you must not associate with those who call themselves believers in Christ, but who sin sexually, or are greedy, or worship idols, or abuse others with words, or get drunk, or cheat people. Don't even eat with people like that. So he says, I want you around unholy people, but not partaking in it. But when you're around people who call themselves believers, who say they follow Christ, but are openly choosing to sin, don't even associate with people like that. And I'm not talking about those of us that are struggling through sin. There are many of us that are dealing with something, and you're trying to work through it, and you're trying to grow. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those that know who Christ is, that call him their Savior and then openly choose to sin, and they know they sin, and they don't care. I find this very interesting because the Bible is showing us how to partner with evil. We can associate with those that aren't believers because we are a light, but we're not to associate with those that call themselves believers and openly sin. Step three is a warning. Watch out for those that are giving you empty words, and don't partake with evil people. And now that you understand what evil people are, we take it a step further, and I will ask you this this morning. Some of you need to take a look at your life. Are you that believer that we're supposed to be running from? You say you love God, but your life is all about me, me, me. Are you the one that we're not supposed to be associating with? Which brings us to step four. Step four says, awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We haven't been taken home yet. We're all still here right now in this moment. There's still time. We can be a light. Is today the day in which you choose to be different? The Bible says one of the names of a believer is a child of light. Jesus teaches it on the Sermon on the Mount when he says, you are the light of the world. Don't hide your light under a basket. Let your light shine for the world to, to, to see. Today, you can go from this place and be a light. Someone who is a light is someone who bears fruit. Your life does something. It helps other people. Someone who is a light is someone of character that walks in love and chooses right over wrong every time. Someone of light tells the truth, loves his or her mate, loves their family, and leads it with integrity and honor. Someone of light has passion for God. They seek God. They want to grow closer to him, and they know that he has a plan for their life, so they seek it. Someone of light doesn't hide the light when they just want to get away and live for themselves for a few minutes, when they just want to not choose right all the time when they want to take a break from being good. Someone of the light doesn't hide their light in such a way. Their light shines everywhere they go. Are you a child of light? The people of the kingdom, they are pure people. Do you want to be a child of light? Make today a new day, and don't ever hide the light that he has put inside of you. If you are here today and you're saying, I want to be a child of light. I am a person of the kingdom. I want to be a pure person. Today is a new day and my words and my actions and my deeds are going to match. I want to pray with you. I want to encourage you because if you're still here, you can make that change today. Let's pray. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to pull you up front. I'm not going to do anything weird, but if you're in this room and you're saying, that is me, I want to be a child of light. I need today to be a new day. I want to pray for you. Will you just lift your hand up and say, that's me. Pray for me. I need today to be a new day. Let's lift it up. Amen. Anyone else? Just lift it up. God, I pray for those that have lifted their hands today. God, let us be bold. Let today be a day in which we go from this place and we are different We are a light and we never hide it. We live in a world that isn't that far different from who Paul was with. And we need to shine for you. Help us to stay pure. Help us to seek after you and study the word with such passion and desire, knowing that you're coming back for your bride. Help us, Lord, to be a beautiful and pure bride for you.